If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 135 of We're Talking Shift. Did you know that uh, only about 12%, yes, 12% of the U.S. population is considered healthy that's appalling. That is like an appalling statistic, you guys. So I I just, I, we talk a lot about health on this podcast, as any of you longtime listeners know, but I just feel like since things don't seem to be getting any better, at least here in the U.S., um, we just can't talk about it enough. So I have invited my friend Lauren Geertsen back on, and we're going to drop some of our favorite health practices, some do's and some don'ts and some detox tips that we not only use ourselves, but we use with many of our clients. You may recall that Lauren was with us a couple months ago talking about her book, The Invisible Corset, and we had a fantastic discussion about the uh, the psychological abuse of the beauty industry, the diet industry, um, developing a relationship with your body, and tons more. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. It is episode 124. Now, Lauren, who is also a body connection coach, intuitive mentor, and nutritional therapy practitioner, is going to dive in with me, and we are going to share all kinds of good stuff with you guys. Welcome back, Lauren. Thank you, Lori. It's so good to be here again. I'm glad to have you. We have um, we have just awesome conversations all the time about this, all things related to health and uh, and our health freedoms. And so I just could think of no better person to jump back on and just, you know, throw up as much good stuff <laughs> as we we'll can between the out. two of us. Honestly, I could geek out about this all day. So yeah, yeah, me too. And and honestly, I mean, with my my family that that's here uh, living under the same roof, it's like one version or another of of health is coming up daily. And we're all talking about it, inventing about it. And you know, scratching our heads about it every day. So we might as well just put it out here some more on the podcast, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. You heard me say only about 12% of the population is considered healthy, which is mind blowing, mind blowing. So that leaves what 88% who are not. Yeah. That's a know, lot people. It makes sense given that allopathic medicine is a criminal industry that's designed to make people ill. And it's like our, our system of medicine has been co-opted by a system of poison and poisonous mm -hmm. thinking ever since the early 1900s. So I really think, you know, if people are in any way interested in having a healthy mind or body or soul for that matter, it means getting away from the industry that's supposed to provide us health in the first place. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's really kind of crazy, and I actually 
I almost jumped the gun there because I was going to share this stat with you that another one that's mind blowing, but I'm going to save it for later. Um, I'm going to save it for when we talk about don'ts. But um, but yeah, when you look and you go, you know, 70% of our population is on prescription meds and more than half of them are on two. And you think that, you know, that's not normal. It's become normal for people to just assume that that's ultimately, you know, the direction you're going to go, that you are definitely going to need some sort of medication and you are going to be suffering from some sort of health condition. And I think it's become so commonplace that people actually have come to believe that that's the normal course of action with the human body. And it's not. It's not. You know, my definition of health is how much a person is aligned to the divine wisdom inside of them that body's intuitive healing wisdom that is our direct connection to god it's like our our telephone line to god and and divine healing and yeah. what pharmaceuticals do by their very nature is distance you from that mm -hmm. alignment throw you out of alignment because the whole pharmaceutical paradigm is based on silencing symptoms instead of looking at the root causes which are mostly cultural and spiritual and mm -hmm. the physical root causes are actually like secondary to that. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think um, oftentimes, especially with a lot of um, health-centric practitioners, it's still very focused on just the physicality of it. And a lot of times that that spiritual aspect doesn't come into play. And, um, you know, and tied in with that is um, the psychological aspect, you know, um, the belief, your belief system. And that is such a important, massive component that gets overlooked. Um, you're right. And it's all, it, it all is designed to make us think that our, our, our body is kind of like, you know, mechanical, like a car <laughs> and, you know, and nothing else has anything to do with it. Your, your beliefs or your spirituality or, you know, your intuition, um, your, your body's own wisdom. It's very, um, it's very much separated. It's so backwards when we look at any indigenous culture. Uh, and I talk about this in my book, The Invisible Corset. All indigenous cultures were rooted in spiritual healing first and foremost, and the body isn't a machine. It is the mechanic herself, you know, and it is by having that lens of reductionistic mechanistic science as the only way to see the body, we divorce ourselves mm -hmm. from so much wisdom and so much healing potential. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. what's so interesting is like I said, in all indigenous cultures, there was a hierarchy of healers. So the shamans, they had different terms in different cultures, but shaman is one term that we're very aware of. That was the individual who dealt with like spirit communication, life purpose, path, uh, ancestral communication. They dealt with that spiritual world and they were considered the most important healers. And then below that, there were kind of the herbalists and the medicine people. Mm -hmm. And below that, lower down on the hierarchy, not to say these weren't important, but it was just considered not um, as primary. And below that yeah. was the bone setter, who was like, you know, mm -hmm. fixing the, the wounds, uh, replacing your bones yeah. if you broke something. We have right. got that so reversed in our culture mm -hmm. that there's like disdain in Western 
culture for people like you and me who do work at that spiritual psychological level we are the we are the secondary people come to after western medicine has already failed them mm -hmm. when in mm -hmm. fact it should be the direct opposite pattern we should be the first ones you call up yeah yeah how can i first of all how can i prevent myself from getting um unwell in the first place what sh how should i be living what should i be thinking and doing and you know how should i be respecting my life and my body and everything around that so that i don't end up having to deal with some form of disease or unwellness that that would be step a let's just not go there in the first place right yeah. but then you know you find yourself there as many of our clients do and it's like okay now what do i do how can i how can i get out of this or how can i make this better how can you know what else and so right then then we're trying to undo things and bring back you know bring them back to a a level place of of I guess, body harmony, you know, body, mind and spirit harmony and wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. where I came from was I had a cataclysmic health disaster when I was like ages 14 through 18, basically on and off bedridden with a life threatening autoimmune disease. And mm -hmm. uh, then I came into the physical realm of healing through nutrition and supplements. And that allowed me to see, oh, to go even deeper, what would have prevented that in the first place would have been mm -hmm. Uh, living a life that was in alignment with my body's own wisdom and values instead of my culture's wisdom and or my culture's values. And, and that yeah. is so foremost, because like, if we're talking about prevention, what I tell my clients all the time is your body will eject you from a life that is not aligned to your soul. Mm. So if you're getting, you know, I see this all the time. I, I've got women with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, um, autoimmune disorders. And yes, mm -hmm. they have, they come to me when they've already explored natural and holistic therapy in the physical realm, but their body is saying no for them because they are not saying no to the wrong life. They are not saying no to toxic relationships or the career that's zapping their soul. That is the root of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. I have a close family member who that's exactly what happened. Just so many years of, I mean, and I'm talking like 15 years of high pressure and stress. And ultimately, you know, there's a, what's it? Uh, it was like an ulcer, like an HP lorry. I can't remember the name of it, but it was just like, you know, medication and trying to figure out what was wrong and, you know, going to doctors and well, it's not this, it's not that. And, it, you know, it's just the, the, you know, the usual course of action that, and nothing really works. And really what it boiled down to is your body, her body was telling her, um, stop doing this, stop doing what you're doing. And this will take care of itself. But the body, it couldn't heal itself when she was completely, you know, doing doing the same thing every day that was that was taxing it so much. Totally. And there we go. You know, and we, I got the perspective from Western medicine when I was young that my body was trying to kill me. You know, I, I got this belief that oh, my body is against me. I have to fight it. I have to win it. I'm in this battleground. And it sounds like your friend was in that place for about 15 mm -hmm. years. But the truth mm -hmm. is that is the body being on our side mm -hmm. and telling us the truth that we really need to hear. Um, yeah. And Western medicine and this allopathic perspective does such a disservice because it's literally 
silencing our savior. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's like silencing the messenger. And so right, there, right. this radical shift is seeing those symptoms and that dis, that bodily distress with gratitude, in fact, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like, wow, yeah. body, thank you for showing me and telling me that I need to either do differently, think differently, eat differently, live differently, believe differently, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, but it's always on that level. Right. It's, it's like we have a, a complete um, misperception of what the signal is. And so, you know, we've learned that when there's any kind of discomfort, oh, the, that we think the body's saying, make me feel better by going out and, and getting this thing, you know, whatever that thing is from your doctor um, to stop feeling like this, as opposed to, hey, I'm telling you, there's something, you know, that you need to listen to here. And if you would receive the communication in the way that we're meant to, as you said, as a sign that maybe you need to do something differently in your life, then it can just heal itself. And that's the that's the beauty of our bodies. I just don't think that still some, with all the information out there, most people still do not get that your body, our bodies are these amazing, miraculous, self-healing, self-detoxing, organisms Mm -hmm. as if you just listen give it what it needs and stop giving it too much of what it doesn't need it'll do the job for you you don't Mm -hmm. really have to jump through that many hoops until you've you know until you've put it in such a bad predicament that now you've got to dig out of a really deep hole but -hmm. even then it can still be done it's amazing i did it i mean i i I was facing death essentially like it's um yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'm losing track of. I had a thread that I wanted to go off on, and I'm forgetting it. But I'm sure I will circle back to it. It'll come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll come back. So maybe it would be fun if we just kind of go back and forth and share some of our what we call non-negotiables, the things that we do that we just do these, and we suggest to many of our clients, we invite them to do them as well in order to reach their, you know, optimal health and wellness levels. So um, we figured, you know what, this is what's worked for me for decades, for my entire adult life. You share what has worked for you, and I'm sure that our listeners are going to be able to take home some things um, that they can do. But, you know, you guys, what I want you to get is that the things that Laura and I are going, Lauren and I are going to share, these are things that you don't just do once in a while. They're the, it's a lifestyle, just like brushing your teeth every day. You just do it. It's a non-negotiable. You just do it. And that's so key. Consistency is really key. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yep. Okay, cool. So I'm going to invite you to start if you want to share one and we'll just kind of play back and forth and see what what we come up with. Yeah. I've just got some basics really. Like um, I noticed that American food culture is very oriented around convenience and time shortage and Mm -hmm. hurry and rush, rush. And that was something that I really believe contributed to me developing a disease in the first place and what I see with my clients as well. So something so basic is just making a commitment every day, just like you said, brushing your teeth to cook meals. I cook Mm -hmm. a full breakfast every single day. Um, I have some prepared lunches that I make ahead of time in my fridge. And then for dinner, I set aside that time, you know, half an hour, every single evening to prepare a really nice, very simple typically, but a very nice meal for myself. And that 
is, you know, I look at other people and I think that concept of allocating that time and that routine every day is very foreign. Um, because if you are going to eat a whole foods, uh, diet and, you know, I could talk about diet all day. This was my background coming from a place of a nutritional therapy practitioner and giving people supplement protocols and then moving into intuitive eating. Yeah, I could go off, but basically the essentials is eat your vegetables, you know, Mm -hmm. eat whole, uh, locally raised meats that are healthy, eat fruit, Mm -hmm. um, eat mm-hmm. as local and, and clean as you can, and don't be obsessive and enjoy treats and don't cut out major food groups. Um, but cook as much as you can from home and you're, you're going to have your bases covered. So right. that's something that is just a non-negotiable for me is setting aside that time every single day and cooking some whole foods I eat very mm-hmm. simply, but it turns out delicious because that's what happens when you have good ingredients. Mm-hmm. That is so similar to what we do as well. Um, my husband and I are not breakfast eaters for the most part. So we'll we'll cook breakfast sometimes like on the weekend and have like a brunch or a, a breakfast. But during the week, what, what we normally do is like late morning, we have a nutrition packed plant-based protein smoothie. And that just works really well for us. And I think that's an important point to make. If you're a breakfast eater and you are somebody that loves to get up and you are hungry and you want to eat breakfast, then it's important for you and you should do it. If you're not that hungry, then, you know, I still have people say, don't I have to eat breakfast? I hate eating breakfast. I don't want to eat breakfast. I'm like, then don't eat breakfast. That's fine. You don't have, it's not for everyone all the time. So, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. It doesn't work for me to have a big breakfast every day, but it works for a lot of people. So I think you gotta, you gotta figure that out. But the main point there is if you're going to have something to eat, whether it's in the first thing when you get up or later in the, um, later in the morning, make something healthy. (laughs) Don't, don't like wait to the last minute. And now you're starving. And now you're running out the door and you're running through the drive through and getting some crappy food, you know, or a muffin at the drive through. Yeah. Yeah. That is really important to get your blood sugar right in the morning. Cause that is really yeah. going to set the course for the day. So fats mm-hmm. and protein are essential. Uh, you know, you, good, solid smoothies that have, you know, pro good quality collagen or what be it. Yeah. And it helps yep. because you don't want to just like totally. shoot up orange juice and cereal with skim milk. That is the worst thing to do for your blood sugar. It's going to set you off course for the rest of the day. Yeah. It's hor It's horrible. And, um, I mean, we did, uh, Christy and I did a whole thing on, on smoothies and juicing and stuff uh, a couple months ago. And even if you're going to make smoothies or protein shakes, whatever you want to call them, there's a right way and there's a, there's not a right way. And Mm -hmm. you're right. Like in, in ours, there's always plant protein, there's collagen, there's avocado. So there's good, healthy fat in there. And then there's, you know, just a, a ton of vitamins and nutrition. So everything we need is in there. It is a meal in a glass. And that takes me through the entire day until about three in the afternoon. And I'm, fueled and I'm focused and I'm sharp and I'm not hungry and I'm not, I don't have cravings. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't hit a three o'clock wall like so many people do from the food they're eating. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I like that. Um, But again, if you're a breakfast eater, then yes, eat breakfast, but don't, don't have cereal and juice and muffins. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, how the, you know, muffin with egg or whatever, include 
you know, some scrambled eggs with butter on the side. It's really important that you're getting yeah. those long burning fuels. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Some healthy fat mm -hmm. is I think key as well. Raised butter is like the best thing in the world. Go get some Kerrygold from Costco and you'll be set. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and along the line of that, I will also include one of my tips is I think that I think that people eat way more than they need to. People just simply eat because um, they are they're fueling an addiction to food, to the, you know, to fat and salt and sugar, because all of that fast food and all of our processed food is designed to make you addicted to it. So mm -hmm. There's very, when you are feeding your cells, you don't get those crazy cravings. You don't feel like you have to have a snack every 90 minutes. So uh, one of the things that is one of my practices too, and it's not um, an effort, it just is natural, very little snacking, not a snacker. Mm -hmm. I think that yep. people are, you know, it's almost like this constant thing of having to have a little something all the time. And I think that part of that is the addiction to the food. And I think that the other part of that is people are using an unhealthy way of snacking on shitty food to change their mental state. Yeah. So, and they don't realize food to change their state. Yeah. The digestive system takes about four hours to work through a meal. Like it mm -hmm. needs that break. It if right. you it can't regenerate fully and optimally if there is food running through it all the time. And on mm -hmm. that note, what's really ironic is that chronic dieting and weight obsession actually fuels the very pattern you're talking about of overeating because it puts yeah. our bodies and our psychology into a famine state. This is so thoroughly identified in the scientific literature that if people yep. restrict with the intention of trying to lose weight and control their body size, instead of just focusing on healthy whole foods, uh, eating to their fullness levels, looking at the other areas of their life where they're, you know, trying to numb out and just getting healthy movement in that, that dieting paradigm creates chronic overeating and snacking. Yep. It's, it's a vicious cycle. And I, I love that point you made, though, about needing time in between eating for your digestive system to do what it needs to do. And it's one of the other. So that brings me to one of my other things is basically almost daily intermittent fasting, which, again, isn't something that I have to try to do. It just comes natural. So, you know, when you intermittent fast, I'm sure you already know this, um, it supports healthy immune function. And our healthy immune function is at the center of, of body detox among every, uh, you know, a million other things. So when you do that, if you just stop eating, you know, whatever time you stop eating at night, maybe for some people it's six, seven, eight, whatever. We, we usually stop eating around seven-ish. We're done or close to that. Sometimes it's later, but then I don't feel like eating anything and for like 14 hours. So I get up, I have my coffee, which is uh, suppresses your appetite. And then I'm not hungry for like 14 hours. That's a fast. And it's easy because you're not trying to, it's just natural. You're not really, you're just not hungry for a long time. And that works as long as when you do eat for the hours of the day that you are going to eat, you are getting something that is feeding your cells feeding you, you know, with good vitamins and nutrition, all of the food that you just talked about, whole foods and plant-based foods and whatnot. When you do that, you don't 
feel like you need to eat more frequently. You don't feel like you need to eat for hours and hours. You don't get cravings. So that's one of the things that just is a natural rhythm that we, my husband and I have both just developed. We stop eating around a certain time, we're done. And then nobody's hungry until, you know, 11 o'clock the next day. It's easy. It's yeah. just so easy. It, you don't have to work at it. It's so interesting hearing you say this because I didn't realize my body naturally fell into that similar pattern. You know, I come from a background of very severe disordered eating and like body dysmorphia. And, that, and that's where I started to specialize with my clients as well. So I really don't ever intentionally put any of my clients or myself on a quote, intermittent fasting paradigm, any mm -hmm. kind of restricted paradigm. Um, yeah. Because I'm always like, how can we get to that? Like reset our intuitive food wisdom. But as you're talking, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, that's where my body naturally has led mm -hmm. me to where I finish eating around seven o'clock. And in the mornings, I have a really thorough morning routine. I probably eat around like nine, nine 30 in the morning. So not quite yeah. as long as the fast, but I'm like, I'm not hungry until then. And that's right. just, right. you know, if we, I think also, if we look at early cultures, they had very long periods of time without eating as well. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah. That's where the body can naturally lead us. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. If you do what you're doing during the day when you are eating, if it's the right fuel, the rest is easy. It comes natural. You don't have to try. You don't have yep. to think, oh, I can't do this now and I want it so bad. You don't have those feelings. Yeah. But like you, I didn't even realize that what I was doing was considered an intermittent fasting until I kind of learned more about it a few years ago. And I was like, I was like, I suppose I should experiment with this and, you know, figure out blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm already doing that naturally. So good for me. <laughs> Check <Yeah>. that box. <laughs> there you go. That was easy, but, you know, and that's yeah. the other thing about when you are eating really good food without a restricted mindset and you're trusting your body is that the food planning and preoccupation and obsession that leads to all that snacking and like pulls mm -hmm. us out of the moment, especially as women who have ever dieted. Like we all know this experience, um, that goes away when you're focused mm -hmm. in, in this yeah. paradigm that we're talking about. And that's exactly. so freeing. It is. And I think that's another good point to make, which you made earlier, is that what you have is fairly simple um, when you do eat. And we're the same way. I mean, it's really, really easy. It's like a smoothie and then it's a salad at dinner and some protein. And that's kind of it. It doesn't vary that much. But it, I think that if you are someone that no matter what your diet consists of right now, if you think about it, whether you cook or eat out, whatever, you probably rotate between about the same 10 things all week, every week. You don't usually have a gigantic variety. You're not making something different 30 days, you know, every day out of, of the month, right? You're, people eat the same stuff over and over, whether it's good or whether it's not good. It's the same thing. Just like, People go to the drive-thru and order the same crap at Wendy's every day or McDonald's or, you know, whatever. So I think if you just realize that if you're going to try to 
transition into a healthier eating lifestyle, you don't have to get, you know, five cookbooks and try to make all of these exotic different meals. And, you know, you don't have to sprout your seeds if you don't want to. I mean, you can, you can get as crazy and as extreme as you want, but the more I think that you think that you have to do all of these extra things, the less likely you are to do it because it's so overwhelming true. then, it right? It is so true. Just like, yeah. what can you change in five minutes tomorrow? And, and, you know, keep that for the next five days and then make another little change. That's where we see the big long-term progress. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's implementing those changes one step at a time and making them into your new rituals, your new non-negotiables. And then you just keep building slowly. And pretty soon before you know it, you've literally evolved your entire eating lifestyle into a new lifestyle, not a new diet, a new lifestyle. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. On that note, uh, two other things that I incorporate that are free and basically they're, you know, 10 minute things I do every day, grounding Mm -hmm. and sunshine, like Mm -hmm. you get your vitamin grounding and your vitamin D, but there's so much incredible research behind what happens when you just put bare feet on the ground. This can be concrete, grass, dirt. Um, I just lay out in my yard with a blanket. And what it does is it anti-inflames the body. It helps release the negative charge, the stickiness between our blood cells. Like there's a lot of research that I'm not familiar enough with to just spout off off the mm-hmm. top of my head. Yeah. Besides yeah. that 10 minutes of this a day, completely free, no matter where you are. It is so powerful, especially for heart conditions, um, for normalizing blood pressure. And then of course, just getting a good a dose of sunshine for the key here is to get it to the point that you're not burning. So for me, I am like right. hail Norwegian. <laughs> All my ten minutes are, max. Yeah, I can do I can do ten minutes on each side. So when no. the sun is out, because I'm in you know northern Washington State where it's gray yeah. and rainy here, I take my vitamin D during the winter. But whenever yeah. I have a sunny day, I get ten minutes of sun on each side. And what is interesting is usually during the summer, as I can I can gradually increase that day mm-hmm. by day as my my skin builds up tolerance, which is super important um, mm-hmm. because you know there's this weird thing in the the skincare industry, like the beauty industry, is such a crock of BS. Like there is just so <laughs> there's so many lies that will tell you yeah. you can't trust your body to do what it normally will do. Like the skincare industry mm-hmm. says you can't trust your skin to do what it normally right. does. So here are three different kinds of cleansers, this exfoliant that will take off, you know, your yeah. protective oil barriers. And also you need to replenish it with hyaluronic acid and all this stuff that just can mm-hmm. disrupt long term what your skin mm-hmm. does optimally and naturally. And then on top of that, you have to put SPF on every single day. You know, God forbid you ever get a ray of unadulterated pure sunshine, which is the vitamin and the nutrient that all of our single cells need. So I know, you know, it's crazy, it's, but that's so simple. Like just get sunshine and put is. your feet on the ground. I'm so glad you brought that up. Sun is on, is on my list as well. I love the sun. I've been a sun worshiper my whole life. I don't believe in sunscreen. And to me, it's like this whole thing about coating on layers of sunscreen every day, even if you're not going outside, but for sure, if you are, I I think, you know, wow, God really screwed up bad. I mean, (laughs) 
Sorry, he made, that's so like, true. Right? Billions of people since yeah. the beginning of mankind have skin exposed to the sun. And wow, they I don't think as far as we know, cancer was on the scene like hundreds and thousands of years ago, yeah. as right? Sun exposure has decreased and sunscreen use has increased the skin cancer rates have gone off the charts. Like this is not adding up. This is really purely to sell sunscreen. You have to sell a lie to sell more of these right. products. Yes, yes. Anti-aging um, and anti-cancerous and just, yeah, buy the product, coat it on. As soon as you get up in the morning, you know, <laughs> pretty soon it's going to be put it on at night before you go to bed That's, too because, oh my God. you know, the rays, <laughs> the rays from your clock are going to penetrate your skin right. and you're going to get sick. I mean, yeah. whatever. Ever, but we're so, not far away yes, from that. I agree. Sure there's going to be like skincare products that are like, here's how to block the blue light from your screen. No, just use your mm -hmm. screen less. <laughs> I've been told that by, mm. a, I've been told that and like, mm, not buying mm. it. Mm -hmm. I, I, yes, by um, some uh, skincare specialist who said, oh, but, I, and they said, you know, we really want you to get some sunscreen. I'm like, I don't believe in sunscreen. And she's like, oh, <laughs> aghast. <laughs> no, say it isn't so. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. Um, and she's like, well, what a, even from, you know, the lights in, the, you know, your, if you work in an office or the, like the blue light from your, from your laptop, I'm like, mm, I don't think so. Uh, I, I'll think about it, but <laughs> yeah, no, I just don't buy it. I just don't may, you know, could be wrong, but I don't think so. It's been <laughs> not wrong it's, for me so far. It's so crazy. This like legion of experts, whether it is in the skincare industry or the diet industry or medicine and traditional allopathic doctors that they, they, I see so much arrogance and shock and non-curiosity and defensiveness when people present a paradigm that is completely different to what they have been indoctrinated into. There's like, yeah. they, they don't question, they don't question that the system of thought they've been taught is in order to sell a reality that sells products and keeps people distrusting their bodies. Mm -hmm. It's that yeah. basic. And yeah, but I do have yeah. hope because I see more and more people every single day, like pharmacists. Uh, I've talked to a couple in the last two weeks, actually, who have decided, yeah, I'm leaving my career as a pharmacist because I'm selling people poison and it doesn't feel good to my heart or soul. And they have allowed themselves to question that really big paradigm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I've been reading more and more about the same thing. Um, doctors, other health practitioners, pharmacists, same thing that their conscience, their awareness has grown, their consciences has become, you know, I, for lack of a better word, up-leveled about it. And they, it's just not sitting well with them. They're starting to, to see that this is, this is not working. I mean, basically legal drug dealers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, 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 and not Enablers. to- yeah. And, and not to condemn, I know there's a place for everything and there is a place for certain medications for certain things sometimes, but we're talking about the extreme here. We're talking about the extreme when it's a pill for every ill and yeah. it's all about just writing prescriptions and yeah. here, you know, take this and call me in the morning kind of thing, or take yeah. this for, you know, a few months. And, you know, if you have any more trouble, then come see me. But I think I have a more like a uh, conservative approach there because I think it's extreme to send anybody to go get a pill for 
depression or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, like any of those conditions, um, heartburn, um, you know, uh, because all of these things, when you silence those symptoms, like the fix is not a pill for any of that stuff. I think it is actually a form of radical extremism that somebody would go take a high blood pressure medication instead mm-hmm. of changing their diet or take an acid blocker. Like I did when I was prescribed them when I was 14, cause I had chronic and um, heartburn. And I, I had a bottle of Maalox next to my seat at the dinner table. <laughs> I would just take a swig oh. after every meal because it was so bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, you know, that was a form of a radical extremism that I didn't know I was practicing instead of mm-hmm. just looking at what was turning off my stomach acid production in the first place, which is chronic yeah. stress and anxiety. Yes. There you go, right there. It's people get themselves so into a mental state that they, you know, depending on what is going on in their lives, that they put themselves in this continual flight or fight mode, Mm -hmm. survival mode. Like there's constantly, you know, lions and bears and T Rexes at the door that are going to get you. Um, so when you're in that state, you know, it just shows up in different forms. The lions and and bears and, you know, T-Rexes are, are money issues and bill collectors and, you know, bosses and pressure, but it's the same effect in the body. So when you're in that state for a long period of time, you're going to pay, your body is going to scream at you and it's going to manifest itself in some health condition that to your point, you don't need a pill for, you just need to stop doing what's causing that. Yeah. And this is where like subconscious rewiring is so critical. Training people out of the perceptions and values that turn us into robotic slaves, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to get to that level. So this is where like with my clients, I always use flower essences. Did we talk about this last time? We did a little bit, which I think is amazing. Um, yeah, you talked about hearing them, listening, uh, and then creating your essences out of, which I think is yeah. phenomenal. Super yeah, cool. I mean, I just find there's such a powerful form of energy medicine. They're essentially acupuncture in a bottle. Uh, as an analogy, most people can understand. They shift that trapped trauma and anxiety and stress that can get locked in our cells and in our bodies. Mm-hmm they shift those energy patterns. They help release those old emotions. And by doing so, it just creates this mental space, like expanded consciousness in a way where we can integrate new beliefs, where we can better integrate new values. We feel like we have more choice and awareness instead of going into old automatic patterns. So this Mm -hmm. is such a huge part of my own mental and emotional health hygiene. Um, Mm. and for my clients as well, because it really helps when we're trying to do such major rewiring and to opt out of programming that's been at play in our lives from every corner of society for decades and decades, like potent tools, especially energy-based tools are really, really helpful there. I love that. It's amazing. Isn't it how, um, nature is provided (laughs) so much of everything that we need other than, you know, being able to set your broken bones and so much of what we need is just all growing there out in the world. We just need to figure out, you know, how to use it and what to use it for. Yes. And that our ancestors have been using this for ages. Our ancestors knew how to eat properly. They knew how to listen to the plants literally. And the plants would say, here's how I'm in service to humanity. 
this is where like Tylenol came from and opioids Mm. because they were in use way, way, way early in human history um, for painkillers like uh, willow Mm -hmm. bark, which makes Tylenol, um, poppies, which makes opioids. Right. Uh, And because our ancestors could intuit that and they had that communication with nature, you know, same with flower essences, which have been around for you know, in all these different manifestations, early indigenous people would actually gather the dew off of flowers uh, because it was carrying that energetic imprint, um, mm-hmm. which could they could intuit would have certain emotional impacts. So this has all been around. And it was only when, especially when the Flexner report came out in around 1912 in the United States that basically said all of these indigenous, herbal, natural, safe, effective things that doctors were using in the United States are now illegal, they're BS. We just have to keep it quote scientific. So use oil derived pharmaceuticals instead. Like this is what really I could go off on. Mm -hmm. Oh, go if you want, go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that, that was my skill is the pharmaceutical industry has always told us our products are the only choice. Um, Mm -hmm. There are no other alternatives and you will need our products for the rest of our life. That is such a lie. That has always been a lie. It has never been true. It is just a story that they very carefully crafted with a lot of PR and billions of dollars and bribery and lobbying and, you know, forging and and fraudulent medical trials in order to create this narrative to control Mm -hmm. humans. There we go. And it's um, just seems to be getting worse. Yeah, we're reaching a pinnacle there. (laughs) Okay, you guys, I think we're going to take a pause and we're going to call this part one. That's going to give you some time to follow up on some of these amazing tips and put them into action and digest everything. But make sure you come back next week for part two as Lauren and I dive into the rest of our very fantastic and interesting conversation. So stay feisty, stay healthy, Make sure to subscribe if you haven't, and I will see you next week.